Hey folks, um, this is James, and uh, welcome to Gospel of Kennison, my personal audio journal. Um, this is episode 75, brought to you the week of August 13th, 2018, and my guest today is my very special, one and only, favorite wife, Jennifer. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. I'm, I'm glad I'm here. Too. Yeah, I'm glad I could finally talk you into it. Ugh. The um, so the topic is has been as we're going through family members, um, people want to know what the effects of my depression were. Uh, well, no, 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 not not so much the effects. I mean, we'll get to that. They want to know what were the warning signs. What was it like early in there? Because I had one listener in particular that said, "I feel like I might be coming down with this business." Um, you know, was it, uh, what, what, what were some of the early signs and stuff like that? So where do you want to, where do you want to start on how I messed up our life? <laughs> Let's not call it how you messed up our life. <laughs> um, so really like to answer that question, some of the very early signs are, um, you had trouble sleeping. That was probably the very first sign. Yeah. You, you know, just couldn't sleep. You weren't sleeping normally. You weren't, you know, having trouble getting up, having trouble falling asleep. Um, the the second stage of it was just the doom. Um, just a general, a general sense of doom. I remember that. Yeah, it's like things that weren't a problem before. All of a sudden, everything was a problem. And then you slowly, you know, you had always been the most social of the two of us. You always wanted to do stuff. You always wanted to have people over. You wanted to be around people, and you started pulling back from that a ton. You didn't want to go anywhere. I was the one who would be initiating going somewhere. And I'm, you know, not not like you. I, I don't, I I like being around people, but it's, yeah, uh, I can take it or leave it. So I'm not, I'm not going to initiate it. So when I started initiating it, that was saying that um, it had been, you know, a long time since we interacted with people. So on a social level or whatever. So th those were the major signs. Um I would say for me, when I really knew something was wrong is when you were doing that kids camp mm. and you were just struggling. So that, what year was that? That was, we were in Florida. We were in Florida. That was 2012, July, 2012. And I had been asked to go out to a Missouri camp from Florida. I'd taken a team with me. I had been to see the, the, uh, crazy doctor no no not yet not even close i remember being given some medication though just before we left so you had been to the regular doctor and he gave me something that, but that I, was before you left for okay. the other camp so so you had been when you've started feeling the the doom feelings you went to your general doctor and they put you right on and that was in kansas city right yeah but by the time we got to Missouri trip, I, I think I'd been to some new doctor at least once and had some new medication because I remember thinking this was going to help me. This was going to get me through. Um, but tell tell folks what what happened. I mean, I I I went to Missouri camp. Um, we were there for two weeks. I had brought a team with me, and after the first night, I kind of fell apart. Yeah, you called me. I think it was that night, and you, yeah, you just fell apart. You like started crying. I, I don't know that I've ever had heard you cry prior to that. You know, maybe once or twice in our 
marriage. I mean, it was very unusual. Yeah, and it was very loud. Um, because I I didn't expect it either, and I woke our daughter up. I had taken Jenna with me, and she was in my room, mm-hmm. and I had to just choke it down and go and tell her everything was fine, and then try to talk to you. And what was that like on your end? Um, it it was huge because it kind of felt like my world was falling apart too. Because you you know you were the strong one, and you know girls cry all the time. So when when your husband cries, it's like oh my gosh, what do I do here? You know, and I, you know, I I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to help. I didn't know what was really wrong. You know, it seems partially like the circumstances and it seemed partially like, you know, you were struggling, but I, I, you know, the thing about depression that's so difficult is there usually isn't, there could be a triggering thing, Mm -hmm. but at least what you dealt with there was no circumstances that just made your life horrendous and you had to kind of muddle through it. Right. It just was all of a sudden you couldn't function or could hardly function. Well, all of a sudden it got to the point. Right. You know, it was a slow, slow process. I remember in Kansas City, you know, we were trying all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, we were doing, I was doing counseling. Um. I went to a doctor and, you know, got some meds that worked for a little while, but they had some side effects. They, they made me, um, I think overly angry kind of deal. Like sometimes it would make me very irritable. Um, sometimes I just wanted to sit on the floor. Remember that? That that was all before the medicine. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. That's kind of I got nothing good to blame it on then. (laughs) That's kind of what prompted the medicine. Just, just, Jen. Just say it was before the medicine. <laughs> there was one medicine that you took that you um, tore off one of. You didn't like a shirt you were wearing, and you completely ripped it up, I like the Hulk, but not near as cool. I don't remember that. <laughs> it was a medicine. It just didn't. You went through quite a few antidepressants. That one did not do you well, and uh, you tore it off like you were the Hulk. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That sounds funny, though. It, it Was it scary or was it just ridiculous? I just didn't know what was going on with you. You, I was like, okay. I mean, I remember it wasn't a particularly expensive shirt, so yeah. I was relieved by that. But I'm sorry. Beyond that, yeah, I just remember it, you tearing off your shirt. Would you like me to tear the shirt off I'm wearing <laughs> now? Is that something that would, uh, if I did it in a certain way, would it make up for things? No, it wasn't cool. No. It's a little bit, just teensy bit terrifying. It's like. <laughs> What were you going to tear up next? I was just going, I was into Hulkamania (laughs) at the time. Yeah, you weren't acting like the Hulk. You were just that mad. Uh, You really didn't like the way that shirt looked on you. So, Well, life was hard. It's like all my, all of my um, emotions um, started becoming exaggerated, Mm -hmm. you know, except for the happy happy ones. Um, Maybe explain to the people how how ministry was being accomplished in the midst of all this. Uh, Where are we now in the timeline? Anywhere, anywhere. Uh, Just for timeline's sake, we'll say we've got uh, Kansas City's where it started. Florida is where it hit its peak. And now we're in St. Louis and we're still kind of, I'm still, I'm I'm out of the woods, Mm -hmm. but um, we still deal, you know, with it. So I, I would say 
you started getting very frustrated with people, probably a lot more so than you ever had in the past. I, I don't know that it was stuff you particularly anybody would have known about. It's it just more like going home. You're just frustrated with a lot of things. Um, you know, being, well, part of that was the changes and the things that were going on. It was a yeah. very, it had become a, not a toxic work environment, but it, it was, was on difficult. its way. Yeah. And, uh, Matter of fact, that's kind of one of the reasons why we wanted to move is because we thought, at least I did, that it was possibly the job that was doing it to to me, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think definitely leadership had changed where we were, and I think our time was done at that place. Um, and yeah, we, we thought a lot of it had to do with the job. You know, I was struggling because, um, you know, I was home with the kids all the time. I didn't. I wasn't working, you know, just, just different things. We didn't feel like we were part of a community. We were part of a really large church, but yeah. it was hard to be integrated with it. So yeah, it was a lot of things, but we definitely thought, and you definitely thought that, you know, that was primarily what it caused some of your frustration. And it's hard to pull apart because there were frustrating things that happened that anybody in any circumstance would have been frustrated with. But at the, the same time, it was very exaggerated by what you were going through. Would you say that I was depressed at Sheffield or? I I think by the time we were looking at leaving, I would say you were um, because you were wanting to go part time. I was yes. going to go back to work. The, Jay was probably a year old then, maybe six months old. He was yeah. really young and you were going to take care of him. I, you were real frustrated taking care of him. He was he was a difficult baby anyway. But I think had you been, you know, you, your normal, like how you are with Jen, I, I think you just would have rolled with it or it was, uh, you know, a screaming baby just was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. No matter how much I shook him, he, he just never stopped crying. <laughs> yeah. I'm just you're not, kidding. You're not supposed to shake babies. Not supposed to, but it's that's what's wrong with Jay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, oh, but, uh, so depression started, you know, there at the end in Kansas city. So again, the question was, uh, how, how was ministry done once we moved, to Florida. I'll get you started. Um, I know for a fact that I lasted a year longer than I would have because you were there working with me for a good bit of that time. So, um, there was a, I mean, we, when we moved there, you weren't working. Right. And, uh, the place that we moved to the church, we moved to had daycare. They had a daycare and we could use it for free. So I started putting, I think Jay was two. At yeah. the time, and and Jenna was four, she was five. Yeah, she was doing pre-K. Jay did a few hours. Yeah, like a couple couple days a week, I I put him in childcare for a few hours, mm -hmm. and he loved it, and it was good for me because I got to help you out, and you know, just kind of kind of do the things I always wanted to do. And I didn't have a secretary. Which yeah, was so I helped you with some of the like the money stuff. But more than that, you helped me keep going. I don't know. Like I, I wasn't doing great. No, you had a hard time getting up. You had a hard time wanting to do stuff. You had a hard time. Just there, it seemed like everything got everything difficult after a while. Yeah. yeah. Everything. Yeah. Every single thing, even podcasting. And I think looking back, one of the reasons why I wanted to go back to work is I was getting concerned i don't i don't even know that i realized that like i think it was almost subconscious of like you know 
you just weren't doing well. Right. I mean, I definitely didn't go back to work with the idea of, of supporting the family, but you know. And, um, basically though, I was able to keep doing what I was doing. Um, but I wasn't as far as ministry and work went, but I wasn't able to really, other than a few isolated incidents, I, I wasn't able to excel like to take on new things. There was a period of time where I did, you know, um, but it got to the point where, yeah, I just wasn't able to function. Mm-hmm. I, I, um, I could still do Sundays. I could still do Wednesdays, you know? Yeah. It always amazed me because you could be almost crying right before church, you know, freaking out before you left the house, freaking out before you went out on stage and, but you were able to like, do a regular service and you'd, you know, I'd watch you and it's like nothing was wrong. But then the minute we, you know, minute you step down off the stage or the minute we left the church, you're just a mess again. Yeah. I mean, that was towards the end when you were doing pretty, really bad, but yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to see anybody. Yeah. So, you know, I, when everything kind of went down at the church, I was in shell shock. I wasn't depending or not depending on anybody. I was just like, living one day at a time. Uh-huh. So. Okay. All right. So you had said earlier that there were, um, that there was something in you that was worried about the possibility of li- a major life change coming. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. I don't know. But, um, How did that feel? And how far ahead did you see it coming? So I I don't, like I said before, this was somewhat subconscious, but, um, you know, my childhood wasn't very secure or, you know, it was a lot of ups and downs. My dad did construction and he worked some, he didn't work some and we had stuff sometimes and we didn't other times. Um, so I think I've always lived in that kind of crisis mode where I always thought Mm. something was coming, you know, like, like I've always been a, a little bit uneasy unless I'm the one taking care of things. Ah. Because I know, like, like I know what I know. I, I know what's going on in my head, so I don't have to depend on someone else. Um, so, I mean, there was a lot involved in me getting a job. A lot of it was I just really wasn't doing well at home. You know, it, it was not an easy thing for me to do. And you started, just for the record, you started the job because of that. Because you'd been home with the kids, and they were they were raised... It was time to get back in there. You were kind of bored and antsy. You wanted something challenging. Right. And you weren't working to even supplement income. You were just working. I mean, can I say for the fun of it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was partially for extra money, but yeah, I mean, it was. No, I was doing so well there that it was never about the money. It's always about (laughs) the money. (laughs) But, um. But no, don't let me stop you. You, you, uh, you, but you got the job, um, primarily, like I said, you know, money always comes into play, but mostly I remember you just, you were ready to get back into things. Um, it definitely wasn't a response to any kind of warning signs though at the time, was it? 
No, I, I still think in the back of my mind, I was a little unsure and I didn't like the fact that, you know, only, you know, income was only coming from one spot, basically. Um, you know, and, and we didn't have, we, we had plenty under your salary to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. We did not have any, really any, any extra. And I always like to have a little bit of a, yeah, a little bit of security, a little bit of cushion. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I mean that it kind of all wrapped up in that, but, um, but really, I mean, I went to work a year before everything went down. And in fact, that time that I'm talking about at camp, when you kind of fell apart, I mean, I'd been working for six months at that point, six or seven months. So it definitely didn't go hand in hand by any stretch of the imagination. But it was a good thing that you were. Yeah, definitely. Because suddenly I became unable. I don't think I ever became unable to do my job, incapable of doing my job. Do you? I, I, well, let me finish my thought and then you can see if you agree or not. I don't think I ever became incapable of doing my job. I think that it was decided that I was incapable of doing my job and I just conceded yeah. to that. So what, how, how would you, I don't want to put words in your mouth. You, you tell me your version of that because I could have kept going. I know I could have, I, I just needed so, some some time. I needed some time to recover and to get some pressure released. You know, I didn't want to go to the office. I didn't want to face church people for a little while. I didn't want to feel like I had to put on a happy face all the time. And I feel like if I had been given that, I would not have dealt with the worst of what we w- w- went through because I think the worst of my depression uh, was bad, but it got made worse when I failed Yeah, my job. Well, I think, you know, kind of backing up what happened was um, you weren't functioning well. You weren't going in as much as you should have. You, you, you weren't able to do a lot of things. You could still do Sundays. You still could do Wednesday nights, but you were having a hard time even doing like some of the events. I mean, just you weren't functioning well and you felt like you weren't doing you know, your job. That's right. And, and, our, and we'd go to the pastor. And we went to the pastor. We went to him quite a few times, but, you know, the 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 most recent time was kind of like, hey, I can't function. You told him that you're just not functioning well. You need to go part-time. That basically you can cut our salary in half because I'm working so we can supplement it. Yep. Just, you know, give you, you'll still do Wednesdays and Sundays. and Still come in for staff meetings, but no yeah. office time. Yeah, just just for a short amount of time. It was never intended to be long term, but um, but yeah, just just some some time, basically, kind of like a you know family leave kind of thing. Of like, I I'm not doing well. I need time to get myself together. I need time to to heal to recover. And it was decided, uh, not by the pastor necessarily, but by a group of of individuals, that that was not going to be an option. Yeah, they they just didn't feel like they could have a part-time children's pastor, which is kind of silly because probably a lot of churches. Most children's pastors are unpaid, and then those that are are definitely mostly part-time people. Yeah, I mean, because there's there's a core job with the children's pastor that, you know, really is filled by being there Sunday and Wednesday. Well, And then, and and not to ramble on about this church, but there was, we found out later that there was this expectation an unsaid expectation that since I was from this mega church in, uh, in Kansas city, I was supposed to come and 
and save them and bring in young families and just do all this amazing stuff. And apparently I had not done that even on my best day. So, yeah. But, uh, <clears throat> what do you do when it's a church full of old folks? <laughs> exactly. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. They don't have children. There's not a single child that drives themselves to school or to uh, church, but, um, let's go back, um, to the early days of Florida when I started seeing a psychiatrist. Okay. Um, before there, there was a point where you, I had you come in and sit down and talked with the psychiatrist to give you your own view on what was going on prior to that, just to help our people. Maybe there's a wife out there or a husband out there that their spouse is starting to show some of these uh, effects. What were some of the things that you attempted or tried to wake me up or shake me out of it or help me to get over it? Cause you, you still deal, I think with a lot of um, stuff because I wasn't responding like a normal human, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you think of normal depression, when somebody just doesn't feel like doing anything, most of the time what you do with them is say, Oh, okay, come on, you know, just get out of yeah, bed. Get out of how, get out of the house. Let's get out of the house. Let's go to, you know, the park, let's go wherever, let's get you in the sunshine. Let's, you know, let's get you moving and, uh, it'll help things. And you or, tried. You did yeah. It. I mean, get you in the shower, like get ready you know, try to, try to, to, to do these different things that I thought would help. And yeah, it just was a complete disaster, but, um, and why, well, why, why do you think that was, why was it a disaster in my case? Well, in your case, um, was I lazy? No, in your case, it was a chemical imbalance and it's kind of like getting someone to walk on a broken foot. I mean, it's just like, it's not going to heal your foot it'll, quicker. It'll help you feel better. Come yeah, on. it's not going to heal your foot quicker by walking on it. Yes, you need to work it, you know, when it starts to heal. But um, but yeah, in the short run, you just need to stay off the dumb thing. Well, but. I know on your end, there was a lot of a lot of trauma um, that was acts I didn't never intended to put on you. But you watching me fall apart, you suddenly being the breadwinner, you suddenly... Um, being in charge of everything. I mean, you, you cooked yeah. the meals, you bought the food, you did the laundry, you did the chores, you worked full time and took care of the kids and, and you dealt with me. Um, and you did try, you tried to, to get me going and, and it was very hard for you. Um, and that's the part I hate the most. I, I tell people the only person that had it worse than me was you. And, um, I truly believe that, but you, you held us together. You did. You did an awesome thing. You don't have to say yes or no. It's okay. not, it's not a question. <laughs> it's just a fact. Um, but when you went to the, what, when was it that you began to understand, um, depression? Because my, my, in my experience, I would say prior to some education that, that we both got. Um, I would say you viewed me as someone with a problem. Like, like I was depressed. Um, that's not making sense. What am I trying to say? I thought you were just lacking motivation. Right. 
Right. And I tried to give you motivation. I tried to, you know, fill in. But by default, James is a motivated person. Yes. When when I'm feeling good, when I everything's fine. Yeah, you just do stuff. I just and it's not even an issue. It's like when we lived in Kansas City and you just we needed a fence and you just put one up. I just built a fence. Yeah, I mean it wasn't I didn't even have to ask for the fence. Like <laughs> it just showed up. It just showed up one day. Yeah. Yeah, I, I and that's what made depression so hard. I think for our family, extra hard is because my personality is the very opposite of that. Yeah. To the point that it's annoying. Just like depression is, is really sad and horrible and grating. Uh, my, my happy personality is just that annoying Mm -hmm. and grating. Wouldn't you agree? I would agree. Yeah. So, um, but what point do you think that you were able to, and I know, I know it wasn't, it didn't, uh, make things easier to go through, but maybe there was a point where you started to understand it as an illness versus a condition or a state of mind. I guess one thing that helped a lot is when I figured out that it was better for me to leave you alone and let you deal with whatever you were dealing with. Cause I would try to help or I'd try to make it better and it would just make it worse because you were trying for things not to interrupt or you know impact the world which was probably kind of impossible but I mean so you would get stressed because I was trying and so then that was just kind of a disaster so that when I figured out that I could just leave you alone and let you kind of pull yourself together or let you or just go on without you then it got easier because I didn't have that you know, I used to feel so much stress that you were miserable and I should be able to help you or I should be able to help the situation. And I couldn't. And once I figured out that, okay, I can't help this situation, but I can at least keep moving forward. You know, like, like if we remember, I mean, we had season tickets to Disney Yeah. the the year that you went through all this. And I, you know, there, there were a couple of times I just took the kids and we had a good time and it was weird at first. Cause I'm like, I'm not, used to being by myself with this kind of stuff. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just realized, or sometimes you just needed a minute. You just needed some time and then you'd get up and you know, you'd show up. Like even on those trips, I I can remember a few times just needing an hour, you Mm -hmm. know, and then then you come back, get up and, and get at it. Yeah. And, uh, was I, well, I know the answer to this, but, um, was I always depressed or was there ups and downs? Were there good times with the bad times? Um, there were there were good times in there. Pockets. There uh, were pockets. I mean, it, in the worst of it, it there weren't many pockets. Um, yeah, I agree. But it, you know, kind of like the whole thing slowly came on. The, the whole thing slowly... Faded out. Too. Yeah. I yeah. mean, so there were just different things where, you know, you would do things and you'd be involved or you'd be interested or you, you didn't mind being somewhere, you know. So those things were all over the place. But um, I, I want to talk a little bit more about what you said about motivation and and then doing the opposite of that, because it makes sense to step in and want to help somebody, you know. Um, but then you said, but it's like helping somebody walk on a broke leg. And I wanted to go even a step further and say, and explain on my end, you, you mentioned making me want to do things. 
and the reason why it didn't work because maybe somebody's listening and they they're like I'm trying that I don't I I know it doesn't work but I don't understand so from from my perspective and I don't know that this would work with everybody but with me I'm very driven and I don't ever want to use my depression as an excuse to not do something um my my unsaid rule is always and it's actually a very sad rule is I do what I can when I can so that when I can't you'll know why you know it's the depression it's not me slacking off and I think I've proven that you mm-hmm. know throughout the years for for my kids for my wife for for the people that I would call a boss um but the reason that's possible is because I have people around me that allow me to be a failure Allow me to be inconsistent. Allow me to be broken. Allow me to have my ups and downs. Um, and and that's the tie-in with what Jen was saying is uh, if you give me room, instead of holding me to some sort of uh, standard, if you just let off, I will find the strength and be able to lift myself up and, and get at it and, and actually do even more than what I'm being pressured to do. Depression is so perfect in its evilness um, that it takes well-meaning relatives and, and loved ones and turns their words completely upside down. And, they're in, in, and your help can sometimes come across, uh, well, not come across, uh, it just makes them feel horrible because they don't want you to have to feel that way. If I was normal, they wouldn't have to help me. If I was, if I was uh, a contributing member of the family, they wouldn't have to worry about me. I, at least that's, those were the thoughts that went through my head. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually went to the point that I kind of withdrew from you. Um, even though it wasn't intentional, my, my brain process was I'm going to focus on getting better that way you know, life will be better for everybody later on. And I tried to hide it from the kids as much as possible, which apparently I did a good job because they, they yeah. report nothing but great things. They got a puppy somewhere in there. So that's all they care about. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was, it was hard on us. Yeah. No, it was incredibly rough. So one of the worst things we've ever been through together. Um. You got time for some questions? Sure. Okay. Um, how did how do your expectations of yourself and her expectations of you differ? Um, and I guess that's that's from Alita Titchnell. I guess she's asking maybe now in our world today, how do my expectations of myself and your expectations of me differ? How would you answer that? Differ as in before the depression versus after. I would after. say now. Like just, I don't know, answer however you want. It's open to interpretation in it. I guess so. (laughs) Um, So what are your expectations of me now? I I mean, I think anybody would know that your expectations of me before was to win the bread and bring home the bacon and fry it up in the pan and all that stuff. I mean, I think that's a given. So what are your expectations for your loser husband now? Um, for you to be at lose no. Um, my expectations now are for you to take care of the kids. 
Make sure the kids stay alive. <laughs> I, really, I can do that. <laughs> it's really the main. Um, you still have the expectations of doing all the house type stuff. Uh, meaning not really housework, but right. like fixing, fixing things. Fixing the house. Because <laughs> I cannot fix anything. Um, I don't know. You know, in, in some ways I've tried to not have expectations. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. Um, because... You know, it's kind of taken it too far of like the pressures. I try to keep the pressure off so I don't have any expectations. But then I sometimes don't ask for things when I should right. ask for things. Yeah. So it kind of backfires. We've gotten better at that, though. Yeah. Yeah. I try to communicate a lot better. Because um, men are stupid. If you don't tell us that that's dirty, sometimes we don't know that's dirty. Yeah. We just think of it as a thing on the floor. So <laughs> it's like it, it doesn't. I can report, though, by experiencing or raising our son, that it is just natural and biological that you notice nothing <laughs> being dirty. It is not like, like I have to tell that boy to change clothes. I don't think men like sticky things, so we'll clean something that's <laughs> sticky. sticky. Other than that, you're not worried about it's it. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. So, um, when our undershirts start getting sticky, it's time to, <laughs> time to wash them, whether you need it or not. But. Um, I, so I think that that's changed a lot. I mean, obviously our roles have changed a ton. Um, although, I mean, stepping back, uh, before we had kids, I worked full time, you were in school. Yeah. Um, and then you ended up working full time and we were both working full time for a while and then I ended up quitting. So our roles have always been in flux anyway. They've been all over the place. I mean, I've always made more money. Have you ever considered letting me cut up your credit cards? <laughs> <laughs> Only as a form of biblical discipline. Punishment? Yeah. 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 Okay, um, well. Like Stacy said, I would just order another one. What do you think? <laughs> like, I have credit cards you probably don't even know about. Well, so. I, I imagine this guy lives in a <laughs> shed somewhere in the mountains where he's totally isolated. Um, so she can't order more. No, she's, what well, she's. He would have to order them because she doesn't know how to get a hold of the people. That's so. right. Yep, she doesn't even have a name. She's just mm-hmm. the She's wife. Just the wife. Or I could go to the bank and withdraw a bunch of money. Yeah, so. it's true. But she would get an allowance, and mm. so would you. So, and and even though he opposed biblical spanking for his wife, I do not. <laughs> I bet you don't. <laughs> biblical spanking. What did I say? It's supposed to be. Spouse or wife spanking. <laughs> biblical spanking. <laughs> it's it's right there in the Chronicles somewhere yeah. of of uh, Thor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Did that answer the question? I don't know. Let's read it again. How do your expectations of yourself and her expectations differ? So let's put it in today. I I expect a lot more out of myself than you expect of me. Has been my like I am always short, coming up short in everything I do. That's the way I feel. And I've expressed that to you. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how they differ. Is I feel like I should be super James and back at 100% and doing ministry and not caring about um, all the issues that I have and not having to care, I guess is a better way to say it. And, uh, you know, just always being on, always being normal. And I'm not. And that makes me feel bad about myself. But you don't, do you feel that way about me too? No, my main thing with you is, you know, I'd, I'd like you to 
be happy. You've kind of floundered since this whole thing has happened as far as, you know, just trying to find a purpose in life, trying to figure out what you want to do, you know, and then the fact that you're a bit of a slave to to this whole thing. I mean, you've been through ups and downs. You're probably better off more lately than you have been in years. So yeah, true. Um, you know, I, I've never had, my main expectations revolve around like the kid responsibilities. Like, right. Like if, if, if I got a call from the school saying one of the kids didn't get picked up, then you didn't meet my expectation. Or what about if you get a call and they haven't been dropped off for three days? Then you would not meet my expectation, (laughs) but they would also tell on you. But, um, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the, my if I have any expectations of you, it's it's a, you know surrounds the responsibilities with the kids. I don't really have you know. What about hopes? Hopes? Yeah. What are your hopes? I mean, my hope is that you find you find what it, that you kind of find yourself again. I think there's kind of a new version of you out there. Am I? Am I? Better or or worse or, or the same since the depression? You're definitely different. Um, you're probably less volatile. Yeah. More sad. mature. More sad. <laughs> mature. Mature. More, Me. More. Um. You know, even keel. Yeah. Uh, melancholy. Melancholy. Depressed. Attractive. No. More attractive. <laughs> In a melancholy sort of way. <laughs> yeah. I have to look that up. It's one of those words I've heard my whole life. Melancholy means sad. I, I, I found I like figured, a basset but, but I'm sure it's a variance on it's like sad. A, it's like a It's like just hound. like more of a huh, kind of yeah. sad, not a uh, Yeah. Yeah. But so, so you have hope for me, huh? Yeah, of course I do. Okay, good. Uh, Claire uh, Lauren says, I, I know you have a strong relationship with God. Do we have a strong relationship with God? Maybe you do. <laughs> maybe we do. Maybe we don't. Um, how? What? What role did God play in all this thing for us? Because I've been very open and honest. Was about, that the question? Uh, uh, no, that's oh, okay. just the first comment, and I wanted to verify or oh. or whatever. Um, well, I mean, I'd I'd love to say that that we prayed and we seek. Sought. 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 Sought God through the whole thing. And he came in and, like a, the dove. The dove came down. The dove and, of God. And healed you. And we. In the last last possible yeah, second. And, and we we jumped off into the sunset and everything was perfect. Just but. The clouds of glory and the Shekinah. Shekinah. That didn't I thought happen. you were going to say Chicago. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out how Chicago fit in, but sure. Um, but you know, to, to be perfectly honest, we still struggle. I mean, you know, you would think church is a place that would help. And in our case, it, it was actually one of the more hurtful events of this whole thing. Yeah. Um, and, and while God is not church, you know, a lot of times we see pe- people are kind of the human representation of God. Or, Absolutely. And so when when that hurts, that makes it hard to connect with God. Um, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways we learned, you know, within our Christianity that it's not, God doesn't save you from anything and you are not immune to any pain on this earth because you have a relationship with God or you know God. It's just 
he understands and he's there. But he's not particularly going to pull you out of any of the pain. Yeah. And then if you look around, I mean, if you think like, you know, we, we know someone who's, whose child who's the same age as Jenna has cancer. Yeah. I mean, life is not easy for everybody or anybody. You know, most people struggle. Yeah. Most people have their The things. just and the unjust. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's the world we live in. But you do walk around as a Christian sometimes, especially a pastor, and you think, you know, you see things happen to other people, but you remain untouched and you, you kind of get, it's not a prideful thing. It's just a surety, you know, that you have that's like, we're good. God's got our back. We don't have to worry about that kind of stuff because we're doing what God wants us to do. And so it's in his best interest <laughs> to keep us going. Yeah. And I, I believe that right up to the last minute. I, I just, I knew God was going to answer our prayer and come in and swoop in at the last minute in his timing and, and put it right. Um, but you know, we preach it. I preach it or I used to from the pulpit with the kids is, God answers prayers one of three ways. Yes, no, and not now. And we never really ever think about the no mm-hmm. when it's a no. Not not especially not in a kid's world when they're praying for ponies and bicycles. But um what about when you're asking him, please don't let my life fall apart. Please don't take my ministry. Please don't let this affect my family. And you don't even hear a no. It just nothing changes. Yeah. I mean, I remember because uh, I, I assume everybody kind of knows the story, but for those who don't know, I mean, you ended up having to resign or, and, um, cause they basically, you know, at the end of the day, they said, kind of get, get, you need to get over this. Well, yeah. anybody who's dealt with depression, it'd be like saying, get over diabetes, get over your broken leg. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'll get over it, but I can't make myself get over it. Yeah. But, um, you know, so we we felt like stepping down was the best answer rather than just drag it out and and, and end up all. getting fired. Yeah, so because uh, we were we were quite desperate, but um, you know, at the time, all of a sudden, you know, everything we knew there, everything we had there was tied. We, you know, the kids Jay went to daycare there, Jenna went to school there, and all of our friends were there. We'd moved to St. Pete for that job. We didn't know anybody else. Um, luckily I still had a job. Um, but then suddenly, you know, we, all, all the benefits, you know, the, the schooling benefits, the insurance benefits, all that kind of stuff went away. Um, we had to switch over to my insurance and it was really expensive. I mean, our, just our income basically got cut in half, all, all those kinds of things that all happened at once. And we lost all of our friends. Yeah. I mean, and we, our church and our church and our so, kids school. So we went from, you know, having stuff to do all the time, having people to connect having with. Having a purpose. To absolute, I just remember, you know, just like, it was like everything just fell apart. I mean, and, and the good thing is, you know, obviously I had a job, so we didn't lose our house. We didn't lose our cars. You saved us, I told you. We, um, you know, we had food. We were okay, but we weren't in good shape. I mean, but, but, you know, just the, the pure loneliness of, you know, we had nobody all of a sudden, just nobody. It it was, it was bizarre. And unfortunately for us, all those things revolved around our idea of who God was. Mm -hmm. Um, and also I had to come to terms personally with, I I didn't know I was going to get better. I didn't know anything. 
I thought this was me for the rest of my life. And that's why I can understand I don't like it and I don't agree with it and I would never condone it, but I understand why uh, folks deal with suicide issues when they're severely depressed because you think, you know, this is going to be forever and it's it's a horrible thing to have to, to, to face. But I had to face the fact that the possibility that God was going to allow this forever. And, you know, the Bible says, even though he slay me, you know, that I will serve him. But we read that. But I do you have do we actually know what that means? And I, I I'm sure I still don't know what it means. Nobody's ever tried to slay me. But what if he didn't slay you and allowed you to be tortured for the rest of your life? You know, um, how do you how do you serve a God that that would allow that um, over time? Um, I, you know, I, I, I just was at a point though, that I couldn't deal with the idea of God. And I've, I've mentioned that on this and God was cool with that. He was like, all right, I'm going to be over here on this park bench. You can go over there and, and do, and we're in the same area. <laughs> I'm not going to leave you You're but we're cool. And I didn't go off and do anything stupid. You know, right. we, we weren't out, you know, whatever. Uh, but we, we just kind of took a chill time you know eventually um i decided that i was i thought i think i thought i was waiting for god to do something drastic and and impressive with me before i took him back kind of thing um but i eventually realized that i was not doing good i was he he <laughs> He, I was benefiting much more from the relationship than he was. Uh, and so therefore it was in my best interest to just make peace. Um, you know, I quit asking the questions why and why did this happen and what it was that. And, and I really started putting the blame on people where it belonged instead of, uh, and even giving them some grace. Cause there's a lot of ignorance in church around the idea of, of, uh, of de- depression because they think it's spiritual, you know? Yeah. And I, that's probably one area that I think the church is just flat wrong is that they, there there's kind of within the culture of the church, not particularly a church or, you know, a, a person, but within the culture of the church, depression is not acceptable. It's like people want to pretend like it doesn't exist or you can pray it away. And I would say based on everything I've seen you go through, I mean, the kind of pain and suffering that you went through, that's not something you can just pray away. Yeah. I mean, you can pray about it. You can pray about anything, but it doesn't mean it's going to stop. We don't have the power to heal within our own yeah. self. I mean. Well, like a father left when I was a kid and I could have prayed all day and I did sometimes, you know, yeah. you pray for your father to come home. He, he doesn't, God can't control that man's free will. Right. And um, some genetic issue, you know, pre-deuced, despo- what am I trying to say? Disposition mm-hmm. to to what I have uh, and what I deal with. That was coming from before the day I was born. Yeah. You know, it wasn't his hand of judgment. It wasn't a hidden sin. It wasn't anything that we had or hadn't done Um and and the more I realize that, the easier it is for me to to say, okay, like you said earlier, God doesn't stop us from feeling pain. 
Um, the way I would say that in a children's church service is that our faith in God is like a fire extinguisher. Um, it doesn't stop the fire. That's not its job. But so often we run around and say, you know, why did, why did this happen? I had so many fire extinguishers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but they forget to use it. And, and, and that's something I probably wouldn't preach today because what I would preach today is that the trying of our faith is more precious than gold. The trying, testing, even failing, and still coming back, which doesn't count as a failure then if you come back. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, Bible says that's more precious than gold, that, that the refiner's fire burns that gold and, 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 and it continues to, to stay hot and it burns off the crud and it purifies that faith. And uh, my faith is a lot simpler now, meaning I don't expect as much mm-hmm. from God. And, and I don't mean, I don't know, it's complicated. Maybe it's another topic for another day. But like, I don't expect God to stop it from raining. You know, please, God, don't let it rain today. You know, that's not something I believe anymore. You know, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross. I believe I need to share him with other people and that it needs to affect my life and come out. And, and I need to create a, a, a little bit of heaven on earth as much as possible around me and, and, and convert others and all that good stuff. I believe all that. But, um, you know, I used to talk to people that would pray uh, and ask God what kind of soda they should have with their meal. You know, that's them. I'm so far from that end of the spectrum now. It's not even funny because, Oh, and, and I think my prayer life has changed because I can pray for anything, but I found myself saying at the end of it, but you know, your will be done because, um, his will is not always my will and rarely is actually, (laughs) and it's definitely not always fun. So, um, Another question. Uh, well, she said, uh, I know you have a strong relationship with God. Well, we want to, we want to say that God has a strong relationship with us. <laughs> We're still working on returning that. Um, and that's just being gut level honest. Um, has, has, has your relationship grown and gotten deeper since you don't, since you've dealt with depression? I know for me, it has, I would not be here without him. I ask because sometimes people turn away from him. My prayers for you, uh, w- my prayers for you and your family continue. So I think we pretty much answered answered yeah. that. You know, we went the other way, never gave up completely, never you know became unbelievers or anything like that, but just struggled, struggled bad, mm-hmm. struggled hard, and still uh, struggled. I think Jen would probably say she's still struggling a little more than I am, but she probably doesn't realize I, how much I still struggle, um, and and. And, and, and it's a lot of stuff to do with church. Like church is a trigger, like just the going into one, you know, sitting yeah. in a pew, hearing a sermon, uh, worship services, a certain songs, yep. you know, um, all that kind of stuff has been tainted by, uh, and those are the non-essentials, thankfully. I mean, I, I know church is essential, but the trappings, the way we do it, isn't and that's why we're here in St. Louis working with David and and um, a part of Novation, uh, which is a very unconventional, very stress free 
uh, but but hardcore loving on God and loving people kind of church. So um, let me move on. Uh, Nicole says, has your marriage become stronger in the midst of your depression? Am I answering? I, I don't know. <laughs> we should both answer it just to be safe. I I would let you answer it, though, because I was on the benefiting end of all that chaos, meaning you took care of me. Mm-hmm. So it's easy for me to say, yeah, yeah, we're closer than ever. It's, it's awesome. But how has it changed our relationship? I think it's, I would definitely say it's one of the hardest things we've ever been through. Um, it's, you know, by this point has got us to where we're, I think, much more honest with each other, much more open about our feelings. I think we're still, in a lot of ways, trying to muddle through how to deal with it. Yeah. Um, you know, because there's things that I now deal with, you know, they, that you, you know, just as a result of this, there's things you deal with. There's kind of interactions with each other that are triggers that, you know, make it hard um, to deal with certain situations. But then, you know, on the other hand of that is there's probably not a lot that could shake us at this point. Right. So, you know. Very true. Our our life is not built on a bunch of circumstances that just worked out. So, wow, yeah, um, that was deep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think I meant it to be, but <laughs> <laughs> it was. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm gonna hold on to that one for a little while. Our life is not, or our marriage isn't based on a bunch of circumstances that just happened to work out. It's good. Yeah, we've 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 worked for it. Is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. And uh, because if anything, the circumstances did the exact opposite. Exactly. And tried to drive us apart and continue to. But yeah, I I would say at the end of the day, just to broaden on that, I I know Jennifer is a very caring person. She understands now much more than she used to. Uh, There used to be a lot of anger and, and misunderstandings because she didn't understand what I was going through. And then I would respond to that as if she did understand and she was still holding me to these standards, you know, but I didn't know. Um, eventually we got to a place where we could communicate and I could just straight up tell her not doing good today, you know, but here's what I can do. And then now as I'm getting better, I'm becoming more predictable and it's still rough when you come home and I'm, I'm sad, yeah, you know, cause it still happens. Um, but, but the one thing we have learned both of us is that nothing stays the same. Yep. You know, uh, if you're sad, it's not going to last. You're going to get happy eventually. And if you're happy, it's not going to last either. <laughs> not going to last either. It's just the name of the game. Um, it's Jesse Cantrell says, how do you juggle expectations around when you deal with depression? How do you show the world that no matter what you try to do, you can't seem to live to their expectations. A lot of stuff about expectations in here. It's a, it's a big deal because you, I think it's those expectations that kill you when you're depressed. Yeah. Cause you can't, you can't meet any of them. Especially if you had a lot of responsibilities ahead of time. And, um, cause it, and, and depression is so different and unique. I think for everybody, I'm no doctor, but I, I think it attacks your personality so much that it, customizes itself just for you mm-hmm. i mean it is your brain after all yeah so what are your thoughts on that um 
I don't know what it means to juggle expectations around. I, I think it's, you know, it comes back to when you're depressed, you only have a certain amount of energy. And so you, uh, you know, and so if you spread yourself so thin, you probably aren't doing any of the stuff you'd like to accomplish. Um, but I would say the best thing to do is figure out what is most important in all your responsibilities and try to focus your energy on that and see if there's some way to fill in the gaps with the rest of it. And it's kind of like us talking about my expectations of you. I mean, my yeah. expectations of you are the kids and, you know, you don't really, you don't really struggle with that expectation. Right. Well, and, and that's why I went with hope because expectations are one thing, but what you hope for me, mm-hmm. that's what empowers me. So spouses, if you have a depressed husband or, or wife, uh, hope in them, you know, but try to lay off the expectations as much as possible. And those of you that are depressed, um, do what you can do when you can do it yeah. so that when you can't, they will know. Mm-hmm. Um, that really helps. It really, really helps. Um, Emily wants to know, is there a line between trying to fix a depressed person and trying to be a helpful presence to a depressed person? And if so, how do you find it? We kind of addressed that a little bit earlier. Yeah, I I think you have to step back and look at the personality and, you know, get to know the person. I know there's some people, especially, you know, that the more attention you draw to it, the the worse they get. They get, yeah. And and you're trying to help, but you're drawing attention because you're trying to help. Um, I think in general, it's probably not that much different than when someone's dealing with like the loss, you know, a major loss or mm-hmm. something. Just treat them normal. Yeah. Treat them normal, and then you know, kind of go with their cues. Yeah, we had some friends that kind of dropped us like a bad habit, and a year or so later, they tried to come back to us and. And, and we were willing, it didn't work out. But one of the questions they asked is what could we have done different? And I said, you could have just stayed. Yeah. You know? Um, but I will, I will address the personality thing a little bit. There are, there's two, there's several kinds of depression. Um, but in my book, there's two main ones. One is, is conditional depression where it's based on something going on that you can point to and say, she's depressed because she lost her baby. He's depressed because he was an ex-Marine. Um, and then there's chemical depression, major depressive disorder, which nothing's going on in their life wrong and everything's terrible. Um, and and I will add a third type. There's the type that they're just naturally kind of forlorn mm-hmm. and they enjoy the attention that that gets them. You ever met somebody like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just a, uh, kind of like Eeyore. Except I never took Eeyore for that kind. He's just depressed. He I just... think that's what melancholy is. Oh, really? Maybe. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll have a little argument about that later. <laughs> okay. <It's> episode 75. <laughs> um, no. Uh, so so if you're talking about that kind of person, yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell because you do feel like you're catering sometimes. But here's what I do for my friends that are depressed is I put it on them. How can I help you? You tell me how to love you. I don't, I can't guess because what works for me isn't going to work for you. So you tell me what you need and I will do that. And that, that clears up a lot of the uh, mess. I mean, we've been, we've been doing the same thing. 
is one of the things we realize we need to talk about every feeling, mm-hmm. <laughs> everything. Cause the minute we start shutting our mouths, the minute the pressure builds up and you know, we, we get out of sync mm-hmm. kind of sort of. So, um, uh, Brooke, Brooke says, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with depression? I'm 18. I'm needing help with talking to, um, super Mormons and I'm not because I am bisexual. If this is the wrong podcast, let me know. I also think most people are above me most of the time. So I guess they're saying that they're depressed and they are bisexual. What is, what does that mean? They, they, go with boys and girls. Mm -hmm. Okay. I didn't know if that meant they associated with both genders or whatever. Um, 18 and needing help talking to super Mormons. And I am not. Okay. I'm assuming a lot of things here (laughs) because I think they were typing fast. Um, but I want to handle the, the depression because no matter where you are in life, if you're depressed, it's going to be very, very hard for you to know who you are and where you're going and what you're doing. Um, I I would just say that you need, whether it's the Mormons or not, um, find a group of people that improve you um, and accept you and love you and that point you to God. Um, unfortunately, you are... Uh, are, are in a place where a lot of churches, unfortunately do not accept you and will not love you. Um, but there are people that will, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're like my church would, <laughs> um, we, there's, there's a difference between con- condoning and, and, um, what do you call it? Uh, accepting. Yeah. And we accept everybody. We don't condone everything people do. I'm fat. That's not condoned, <laughs> but, but I'm accepted as a fat man into my church. But if you're, if you're dealing with a religion or whatever, whatever, find a place, find a place, uh, full of people, um, that love God and will love you and will move you in the direction that God wants your life to go in. Um, says also I feel like people are above me. Um yeah, that's that's a problem a lot of people deal with at 18. I would say uh, a lot of folks do, especially if um you know, maybe college or they're having a rough time getting their life started. I know I did. And um there are a lot of people above you. You know, there's folks with kids and jobs and that seem to have their life all figured out, but I promise you this, um nobody's life's perfect. Everybody's broken. Everybody's going through crap and nobody knows really who they are, (laughs) but that's where God comes in. That's where Jesus Christ comes in and he gives you purpose. He lets you know where you stand on this planet and in his kingdom and he will heal you and make you into the image of what he wanted you to be, uh, which is a child of God. So, uh, if you're, if you're, I'm, I'm really having to reach on this one cause it was written kind of weird or mm-hmm. not weird, just uh, hard to understand. Seemed like there was a lot more in the question than I'm maybe even addressing, but, uh, you need a support system of people that accept you that, that you can, you know, you can go out in the world and, and struggle with, Oh, they think they're better than me or I'm worse than them. But when you come back to that group, 
you know these people don't feel that way and i don't have to feel less than around them and um you know you can find that at, at a church um just just be careful i hate to even have to say that but it's true Um, um, codependency. That was something that Robert wrote down and that's our last input. What is, what does codependency mean? Did he just write the word? He just wrote the word code, but he's a good guy. Robert Harrington's not trying to be a jerk or anything. Um, what does that mean? Codependency. It means that, that I'm finding my purpose in. In helping it, you or, or, uh, or your problem. And it's problems. generally a negative thing, right? Yeah, it's not really a good thing. So we're not codependent then. Or do you think he's calling us codependent because he's act? Oh, he can't actively listen right now. No. <laughs> no, Robert's not a bad guy. He's he's not. If he's writing that, he's just wanting us to de- well, uh, address I wonder, it. I wonder if he's more talking about like if if you almost like the person, the type of depressed person you're talking about where Ah. they're somebody feels good helping the depressed person. I gotcha. And the depressed person feels good being helped. Yeah. And, but, but neither are particularly healthy. Yeah. That's not us. I want to get better. And Jen is tired of me of helping me. So. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I think, the one overarching thing to say about relationships, it can be kind of a, a test of whether or not there's an issue like codependency would be, is being with this person making you a better person, making you want to be a better person, or is it negatively impacting you and your personality? Yeah. If it's negatively impacting you and your personality, is probably unhealthy behavior and it may be codependency, it may be who knows what else. But yeah. I mean, so so it's always a good like litmus test of your your relationship. Well, it also reminds me of, of a different kind of person that wears their trauma or their pain or their depression, like a badge yeah. that sets them apart from other people. Like they are a, are a weird mix of I've got it the worst in the world, but yet I'm better than everybody else. Well, it becomes people's identity. Yeah. It's like they'd rather talk about. It's kind of a way they can talk about themselves in some. But it makes them unique. Yeah. I have this condition, and we do live in a world that celebrates conditions, but you're not going to be very functional. So I, I hope if anyone finds themselves in that position, that they would seriously um, start checking into uh, some sort of counseling or a spiritual leader, and and get your get your thinking straightened out. Because though you may feel like you're getting off on that idea. You're not producing um, the kind of life that you could be with that. You know, once you're out from under that, the only identity that me and my wife believe is a legitimate one is that that is given to us by Jesus Christ or God through Jesus Christ. And, and um, sometimes that shifts and, and changes depending on seasons. I was a children's pastor for a while. Now I'm a stay at home dad and a podcaster and, who knows what I'll be in the future? My wife has been a homemaker. She's been a college student. She's done these different things. Um, but even in that, um, we've all found that um, that God had things for us to do while we were doing those things. Um, so, yeah, codependency is not where we're at, and I hope it's not where you're at. 
Um, I'm not really prepared to talk about that too much more. Um, but I'd like to thank everybody. Oh my goodness. One more. How can she best support you when your depression is bad? How can you best support her? I think we address that and then we'll be done. Um, and that was from Ika. Ika says, uh, how can we best support? And I think the trick is ask. Yeah. Just straight up ask, what do you need from me right now? Because you, Jen, several times would try to hold me or hug me. And I was so dang overstimulated that that, that being touched hurt. Mm-hmm. And you didn't understand. You're feeling like your love is being rejected. And, and I'm, I'm inside knowing I'm hurting you, but I can't act any other way and mm-hmm. it just it, and all the self-loathing and stuff so it's better just to ask how do you need to be loved and and if they say i don't know then you say well tell me when you do like when you need something just tell me mm-hmm. um and and make sure that person knows you don't mind and and give that person freedom give them some latitude to to be broken and you'll find uh if they're wired right you know, if there are people that want to improve instead of wallow in their own misery, uh, they will. It may take years like it has with me, but they will come back up out of it. Jen, thanks for being here today. Thank you. I um, I like podcasting with you. You're my favorite co-host. Don't, <laughs> don't tell any of the others. <laughs> okay. I won't tell John. You're much better looking than any of them. Hmm. And you're a lot nicer. You smell better. And I've got more hair. You got beautiful eyes. That never hurt nothing. Mm. And and you made some really cool kids. So with some help. Mm. 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 (laughs) Maybe not a lot of help. (laughs) Uh, All right, folks, that'll do us for this episode. Um, You know where to find us. It's online at gokcast.com. You can email comments. Uh, Things that you would want us to hear, or things you would want to hear us talk about, uh, and the like, you can email that to james at nlcast.com. You can call 2095 NLCast. Um, for more great shows like this one, visit nlcast.com. And uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next time. If there's a GOK of the day today, it would be um, for the depressed person to tell them how to love you. Do what you can do when you can. So when you can't, they know why. And uh, for the person on the other end, ask how you can love them. Um, Give them the latitude and uh, have hopes for them. Um, Yeah. And don't do what we did with God. (laughs) Try to (laughs) hold on. You'll, you'll be prouder of yourself at the exactly. end of it. <laughs> All right. We'll see you later. Thanks, Jen. Thank you.